This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today, our guest is none other than Keith Richards. Keith has a big reissue coming out on March 18th of Main Offender, which is his great second solo album from back in 1992. We talked about that album in detail, the future of the Rolling Stones without Charlie Watts, and a whole lot more. Here's my conversation with Keith Richards. Mr. Richards, how are you today? I'm okay. How about you? Are you okay? I'm holding up. It's always an honor. Thanks so much for making time. Hey, pleasure, man. I'm glad I had an excuse to listen to Main Offender again. It's been a while, and that album, one of the things that's incredible about it is you could not name the year it was recorded just by listening to it. You couldn't even come up with a decade. Do you know what I mean? I get you, yeah. It's a, a timeless thing, uh, yeah, how it's turned out. Um, mind you, a lot of the Stone stuff was like that too, but I mean, I've been listening to a Main Offender again, and actually I went back to remembering what Waddy and, uh, and Ivan and Steve said, and, man, this record, this is not just a one-timer. <laughs> this is going to be around. And funnily enough, here we are, you know. It's interesting because Talk is Cheap, your debut solo album, was made very much in a mode of, not to put words in your mouth, but perhaps a bit of fuck you Mick at the time. But this was after Steel Wheels, after the Stones got back together, so it was a little different. You had reconciled. How did that affect the energy going into this one? To me, you know, it, there is a certain amount of, like, up yours, Mick. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you know, at the same time, it is not the main theme. Mainly it was because I, the, I was offended, like, to have to make solo records, you know, at the time. Because it had never been on my schedule to sort of, like, go, go solo. But at the same time now, of course, in retrospect, I realized that, you know, the Rolling Stones were in their own bubble and there was bound to become a point where we, we would have to stretch our wings in one way or another. And uh, this was my way. And I enjoyed it immensely. I loved playing with the Winos. I still, after all, now I still play with Steve Jordan because he's with the Stones. <laughs> but that's, you know, another story. There was something about, you know, all these guys I'd sort of known about and, and met and as friends, and the chance to be able to put such a rare bunch together was one of those little miracles for me, and I've, uh, you know, I still treasure the moments running too deep, you know. <laughs> Words of Wonder, which is a reggae track, I believe that's you on bass, and man, that's a hell of a bass performance, especially in a genre that I'd never heard you play bass in before. What do you remember about jumping on the bass in that one? I know it's been a while. First off, it was, uh, was Waddy Wachtel that came up with the song. And actually through the years, I mean, I, I love playing bass. I always have, I mean, with the stone, I'm the bass on um, Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah, Jumping Jack Flash, Happy, right? 
happy. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I enjoy playing bass. Sometimes I think I should have stayed on it. <laughs> At the same time, uh, Words of Wonder, I just thought was a lovely song that, that Waddy had written. And me, I have been living in Jamaica for years. I said, I'll take the bass on this. You know? <laughs> Reggae is a, it's made for bass music. And, uh, and since I'd been living in Jamaica for off and on for like 10 years or so, Robbie, bless his heart, Robbie Shakespeare was a great friend of mine. She just passed away. Uh, I don't know, the bass has been always been something like licking me from behind, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a pretty obscene image there, Keith. Yeah, it is, you know, I mean, uh, just chasing me around the back, you know, I mean... It's funny, you know, I was listening to some of the other songs you play bass on in the Stones catalog, and on the studio recording of Happy... Fascinating how far behind the beat you are on bass and how that contributes to the overall sound. You're behind the beat in, in the coolest way. I, I'm so far behind the beat, it's almost in front. But yeah, I've, I've, I've always loved to drag the beat back. And it, 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 this thing all depends with, uh, you know, with the drummers, but with certain drummers, you can, you can play around with the time until it's almost, uh, it's almost gone around in a full circle. And I can never, as I've said right now, tongue I can never actually put it into words because you can only experience it when it's happening, you know. Obviously, it was Charlie Watts, rest in peace, who recommended Steve Jordan to you in the first place. And it does seem like there's obviously some similarities in feel. They have the same rhythmic spirit in some ways. It's tremendously hard to articulate, but there's similarities as drummers, right? I, I, I think that first off, Steve Jordan uh, grew up listening to admiring Charlie Watts, and as well as listening and playing other things, he's always retained uh, retained the essence of, of Charlie Watts does with the Rolling Stones, which is uh, it's a unique thing and. Um, um, and I've never met another drummer who, who's, who's so sensitive to what Charlie did, you know. And uh, I mean, sometimes if, sometimes Steve can fool me, and I think it's Charlie. <laughs> but uh, it's been a, a, as another thing with uh, with the winos. Uh, it, 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 in a way, it's a correlation or a, a another connection to the Rolling Stones. Um, ob- obviously, with me being in it. But um, to me, it was wonderful to play with these guys who'd grown, more grown up listening to the Stones and uh, hear their take on it. And uh, and I'm, I'm still actually, uh, you know, working. Steve and I are still working on this. <laughs> what is it that you're working on? Another solo record? We're working on uh, just about everything, you know. <laughs> I mean, um, at the moment, we're just uh, feeling our way back. I mean, we've just finished this tour. And uh, we're just coming out of winter, right? So, and uh, everybody is figuring out what to do this year. And uh, obviously, the Stone 60 is coming up. And I think you know, there's we're definitely going to be doing something there. And uh, I think it's just a little early in the year for me to say right now quite how the year is going to pan out. You know, especially with uh, especially with the old COVID on us. But hopefully, you know, getting around all of that and getting past it, um, I, there should be some interesting music this year.
it's interesting that Wicked as it seems, one of the tracks on Main Offender, which is great. Just as wicked as it seems. It kind of sounds like a musical cousin of a later song, Love is Strong, and maybe you got me rocking as well. Were they all kind of in the same mental space for you? How did you see that? Yes, Wicked as it seems is certainly a cousin of Love is Strong. In fact, maybe a little closer related than that. I love that. It's kind of uh, like identical twins who have different paths in life. You get to see different ways of building from the same blocks. Yeah, man. It's funny you should say that because that's the way I felt about them. But, you know, uh, somehow I'm going to make two songs out of this thing. <laughs> and uh, and they, they are, uh, and uh, also time-wise, they were pretty much uh, on the on the same level, you know, and, um, you know, I, uh, when I listen to this stuff now, I, wow, you know, uh, maybe we should do some more. 999, the opening track, more than one person has said it reminds them of ZZ Top. Now, of course, ZZ Top had a Keith Richards influence, so it could be a mistake to assume that you were influenced by them, but do you hear that comparison? I can hear that comparison, yeah, very much. And also, but to me, 999 was just about the cost of everything, you know. <laughs> you had a little bit more of a distorted tone in that one. Interesting change for you. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I probably, uh, probably trod on the wrong button. Demon, the closing track. Beautiful song. When you sing, There's a Demon in Me, what is that really about for you? There's a demon in me. Um, it's a it's a conundrum to me. I mean, uh, or, um, the fact is that uh, there's a demon in all of us. You see, and I just admitted it. I probably thought too much about it, but I was thinking it could be that the demon, the same thing that might drive someone to drink or drugs, might be the same thing that drives them to their brilliance and creativity and you can't really choose between them. It's all from that one place. But maybe, again, I thought too much about it. Exactly. No, a, a demon isn't necessarily like, you know, uh, uh, an evil thing. It can be something that, you know, sparks life into things, you know. And uh, um, I was trying to... When it came out, when I was writing it, I, I was struggling with the same thing, you know. It, it's too dark or, uh, you know, but I, I figure demon is really a, a synonym for, for energy. And maybe you can't let that demon die. No, I don't that you know. And, and it's for other people to decide whether it's uh, evil or, or good or if there is such a thing, you know. But, uh, you know, when that demon gets me, I just got to do it. 
you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You know, <laughs> you know, it was Charlie Watts who said about you, he said that Keith has always had a strong will to live, which is a pretty accurate thing to say, I think. Have you ever thought about where that comes from in you? That force, that demon, whatever it is that's kept you going all this time? Um, no, I don't know. I think, you know, we're all built in different ways and... Uh, um, I think uh, possibly that I'm also so stupid to put myself into situations where it's almost live or die. And I eventually, certainly I've, I've come up, you know, tops, but uh, maybe that's it, you know. But um, look, we only got one life, you know, might as well enjoy it. Main offender, I think you were 48 years old. And I'm getting to be around that age myself. What's it like? <laughs> that's what I wanted to ask you. Because it makes me think of how people back then called you guys old. You know, too old to rock at 47. These guys are in their late 40s. I know that personally some days I feel old as hell and some days I feel like I'm 20. So how did you feel back then? What do you remember about being in that period of life? Are you... Uh, I'm, not the, I'm, I'm not the only one, huh? Well, I must agree with you. I mean, sometimes, sometimes in my twenties, I felt a lot older than I do now, you know. And, uh, but it's all—it's all so relative, and uh, I don't know. You know, it all depends how how you feel about yourself, and uh, and how you feel about other people. I try, you know. I always try and look on the bright side of life, you know. On the expensive winos live disc, on this box set. We hear you sing Gimme Shelter live, which felt pretty audacious. Of course, it's a song you mostly wrote, so it's yours, but how did that feel specifically? Yeah, listening to it back, I'd even forgotten that we'd laid that one down on uh, with the winos. And uh, in a way, what it did, it, was, it reminded me of... Uh, of the day that I wrote it, which was like a rainy day in London, in Mount Street. There was a big storm on and everybody was running for cover. 
and it really just came out of that simple vision and then I realized of course you know that you have to expand it and I realized that there's only one storm there's plenty more but uh, yes to actually hear myself singing it again because I haven't heard that I mean goddamn since we've done it man you know and it's quite a while now it, it gave me that sense of urgency about it. Give me, give me shot. I've, I've always sort of had a soft spot for that one. And what did Mick actually contribute to that song in the writing? Um, oh, uh, expanded it. You know, expanded it, and especially when uh, when I said um, that we need a female. You know, we need a female in here. Do it. And so, and that expanded the song into uh, well, more of a in. I don't know, it, it certainly stage-wise gave it far more visual pretense. You know, the rape and the murder always bring crowds in, you know. Does it make sense to you, looking back, that you made this great album in 1992 and then didn't make a solo album again until 2015? Can you make sense of that in your head? No, not really. I, 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 I find it bizarre, but I think it's because the Stones kept me busy for that long. Oh, and then I was having babies, or I wasn't, the wife was. <laughs> but um, I think also it was the same reason, in actual fact, that the that the reason I did Talk Is Cheap and Main Offender was because the Stones were taking one of their long hiatus, you know? And uh, around uh, 2012, 10, uh, it, it happened again. And, that's, uh, and then Steve and I, uh, actually, Jane Rose said, get together with Steve, why don't you do something while, you know, while we wait to see what the Stones are going to do. Because uh, otherwise you just, you know, you can't just sort of hang around and rot and enjoy yourself, which is all right. Enjoying yourself's fine, but rotting isn't, you know. So, so thankfully, so yeah, Steve and I got together uh, and just decided to make a, you know, put something together by ourselves. So there are several winos on there in the long run, and some other wonderful people. And Cross-Eyed Heart is another little favourite of mine. But you know, I find myself doing these things, you know, when I'm not, when I haven't got the stones pressure on, you know. Oh yeah. When I spoke to you and Mick and Ron in 2016 for the last cover story we did on the Rolling Stones, there was a studio album of brand new songs underway in addition to Blue and Lonesome, which was the Blues Covers album that you put out back then. So what is the status of that new album? And, you know, without rudely asking, why is it taking so long? I guess the question is, as nicely as possible, why does it take so long? Well, as far as status goes, I, I, I can't really report anything. But, um, look, really, all I want you guys to know is uh, that uh, it's... Uh, now, what is it I want you guys to know? Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I just love working, and if I can't work, you know, with one lot, I'll work with the other, you know. There was a report that Charlie basically recorded his parts for whatever the next album is. And, I mean, is that true? Did Charlie actually re finish recording drums for the next album? No, it's not true at all. I mean, Charlie Watts was playing uh, uh, along. Uh, he worked did some stuff with Mick, and uh, we already have quite a lot of stuff in the can with Charlie from uh, from last year. Um, but 
I, I don't, Charlie, what certainly wasn't in the, in the mind of uh, I'm going to record things because I'm not going to be here. He, 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 he isn't that kind of guy and he, he didn't think like that. Um, Charlie would work if somebody said, hey, I've got a couple of songs, you know, drop by and play, you know, and uh, that's the way it was. We do, we do have a lot of stuff of Charlie Watts still in the can you know because we were half we were halfway through making an album when he died but um you know god damn i loved that man i guess it was never a question that if you're going to finish the stones album then steve will have to play on some of this stuff is that the idea yeah i i i guess i mean i mean this is one of the things that we're gonna be having to sort of sort out this year so of course i mean if we want to carry on recording we you know then we're going to need drums, you know, and uh, it's going to <laughs> uh, Steve Jordan, um, you know, which was, uh, which to me at the beginning, when, when you know, at the beginning of the tour a few months ago, I was saying, oh, no, I cannot do this without Charlie. And it wasn't, but except for Charlie saying to me, listen, Keith, you, you can do it with Steve. You've done it many times, you know. He can take my seat any time, you know. And he's talked. He talks me into it, and and I, not that I had to, because I knew Steve could could do it. I just, you know, you just wonder how the the, the, the thing's going to all coalesce. I I I was beautifully amazed by how everything fell into place, and I'm looking forward to doing some more with that lot. Of course. It couldn't feel exactly the same. No, of course not. It, it felt uh, um, like with new blood, fresh blood in there, and uh, it, it, it felt uh, very energetic. At the same time, you know, I, Steve and I, and Steve was watching himself, he was saying, I, I don't want to overdo it, to go <laughs> this way. Or that. But he, he has a feel for the way Charlie Watts plays, that... Uh, that makes it very, very easy you know, for, for us to continue without going through incredible convolutions to it. Steve's a, a consummate pro and, uh, and a great lover of Charlie Watts's uh, style. And I was amazed sometimes of watching him saying, well, I could do it like Charlie, or do you want me to do it? And then, you know, I'll leave it to you, Steve, you know, because like I would, uh, if it was Charlie sitting there, I would leave it to Charlie, you know, and uh, now you're sitting there and I leave it to you, Steve, you know. But uh, we, had a, we had a great time on the tour and I, I see no reason why uh, we shouldn't continue on to this year. I was going to ask you, what did you make of Paul McCartney saying that the Stones were a blues cover band? Um... I got a note from Paul about that saying I was taken slow, slow, totally out of context. You know, he said that's what I thought when I first heard them, <laughs> and so you know, <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm pretty, you know, Paul and I know each other pretty well, and uh, so that's when I first read it. I said, ah, you know, that that's there's been a lot of like deleting <laughs> and uh, you know uh, editing going on here. And the next day I got a message from Paul saying, if you've read this shit, it's all out of context. Believe me, boys. <laughs> you know, so, so I take it to that, you know. I thought maybe he was getting back at you for calling Sergeant Pepper's a mishmash of rubbish. That, 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 that could have been the thing, but Paul actually isn't that way, no. Uh, um, I... I uh, 
I felt for him. Uh, he, he replied so quickly on that and saying, I mean, if he'd have meant to say it, he wouldn't have bothered you know, replying. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, Paul's a great guy, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, look at the songs he's written. I mean, you know, you, you, you can't knock a guy like that. We let the little things that come out in the press and kind of ignore them, you know what I mean? And what do you make of the Eric Clapton thing where he's suddenly all about the anti-vaccine talk? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, it all really seems old-fashioned about vaccine. And I don't know. I love Eric dearly. I've known him since, you know, forever. And uh, we've had ups and downs. But um, you never know. I mean, uh, and especially this 19, this COVID thing, uh, you know, has uh, it split people up and made people sometimes, you know, go awry for a while, you know. Um, I, I don't I, I don't really have it as it I just say hey you know we hope that uh, you know hope you rethink here and uh, you know let's just do this thing I just want to get rid of this damn thing you know and the only way I can see of doing it is everybody does as doctor says <laughs> and, let's, and let's get back to normal you know hopefully and uh, uh, and I don't understand quite why some people are getting so wound up about it you wouldn't get wound up about you know the flu or something, you know what I mean? And that's even worse than this. So, um, and I'm no doctor. And, um, hey, this thing works on in various nasty ways on people, you know, and uh, we all have to, we all have to bear with each other. We all have to, uh, you know, have a little uh, sympathy. You mentioned the 60th anniversary of the Rolling Stones. First of all, can you wrap your mind around the concept of 60 years of this band? And how sure can we be that there will be some live stuff around that? Because it does seem like there has to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, who can wrap their head around 60 fucking years <laughs> in favor? Um, it, it all seems impossible that it's been that long. But um, yes, I, the, the feeling is that uh, we the, the, we'll have to, we have to do something uh, this year. And... Uh, you know, when that feeling grips this band, something will be done. Finally, I wanted to run something by you. We were talking six years ago. We were talking about how you might like to leave this mortal coil. And you said, I'd like to croak magnificently on stage. Yes, yes, I agree, but not yet. That's perfect. <laughs> Keith, always a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I hope you got something out of this. All right, man. All right, brother. And that's our show for today. Rolling Stone Music Now will be back next week. We're on Sirius XM's volume, channel 106. And of course, Rolling Stone Music Now is a podcast. Download us as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast. Maybe leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you can. It's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.